You're listening to the Renewable Energy Tech Podcast, the show that talks to the people that make our industry happen. My guest today has been involved in the renewable energy industry for over 10 years, has lived off-grid for over 15 years and built up a successful solar and battery storage business, employing several electricians and support staff. Welcome, Jerry Robinson, owner of The Greenhouse Effect, to the Renewable Energy Tech Podcast. G'day, buddy. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, everyone, this is the very first Renewable Energy Tech Podcast, and I wanted to launch it with Jerry, my, my old friend and colleague here at Murumura Co-op. We've lived here for over 15 years. Um, we've both worked together in the renewable industry. Um, Jerry used to work for me, and then now he's just got this enormous business, the greenhouse effect, and uh, is just roaring along. And I thought I'd harvest some of his skills and knowledge about the industry and, and what he's learned and, and share, get him to share that with you. So let's just start with some personal stuff, Jerry. Like, um, how did you come to live off-grid? I was living in Northcote, and I just wanted a lovely place to have uh, to raise my son. Actually, wasn't even conceived at that time, but anyway, I knew it knew it was coming. And um, yeah, off-grid, more and more... Uh, you know, I was just introduced it here, and um, right. So it was lifestyle choice that brought you here, um, and sort of the thought of uh, starting a family. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is that something you find um, a lot of your customers are choosing when they move off grid? Is it a lifestyle choice? Is it economic choice? Um, they just happen to end up somewhere where there's no power. No, it's always it's it's about people wanting to live on land, whether it be five acres or two hundred or. One acre, but just you know, absolutely out of town, and um, and of course, the difference is that you know I can now make a house that is working like a normal house, but out of town. Cool, cool. Okay, sorry, no worries. So, Jerry, what have you learned from living off grid? Um, well, just the really obvious stuff is that just it's quiet there's no no dogs and cats no cars no traffic no anything that's the you know that's the end result so nothing to do with being off grid as such but just being on land right okay so it's um yeah just the environment is uh is what you've uh, learned about what about what you've learned about um living off grid with electricity well you know, I'm, I'm grateful every day I come home that, and it's been a bit of a sunny day. And I know my house is warm. I know the hot water's warm. I know the batteries are full, and just you know, the house looks after itself. So, if it's set up right with you know a little bit of gas cooking and and devices that aren't too hungry, electric, and a little bit of fire and stuff, it's it's really easy to live a nice, simple life. Sounds like your house just runs itself, basically. You just turn up and it's all go. Yeah, yeah. We add, just add a little bit of firewood. <laughs> That's great. So from, from your own experience, um, how has that informed your business in terms of um, solar and storage systems that you build and install? Well, you know, there's, there's different houses and different requirements for people. Some, some, some families, like, have a really big house and everything's electric. Sure, it's the modern version with heat pumps and um, air conditioners and, you know, electric cooking and stuff. No problems can do, but 
you know, it just comes with a budget to do that. And then, and then there's smaller, simple houses. You know, we have a budget of, you know, twenty to thirty grand, and um, you know, it works. It works for people. So it sounds like your your task often is uh, to to meet people's expectations, meet their budget. Yeah, that, that's always a bit of a challenge. Some people come with a you know quite an unrealistic budget and just want everything. It's just just not going to happen. But um, most things can happen. So you're saying that uh, these days that living off grid is affordable. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Osnet, who's the electrical um, power uh, wires and poles in our area. Um, quite frequently quotes triple my quoted price to install power to the to the house. So it's not unusual for a customer to have a $200,000 quote to get the grid connected. Wow. So it's cheaper from day one and no bills. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say, yes, it's cheaper. It, it can be quite a lot cheaper, especially compared to Osnet. It's not no bills, though, Um you know, I'm, I, in my mind, the cost, the ongoing cost is about 50% of what electri- electricity is at the moment because there is replacement batteries, 10 years, 12 years, um, there's, some, there's some diesel and there's some upkeep. So, yeah, it's not free, but it's, it's not bad. Um, is the, the replacement cost something that you make customers aware of? Yes, I'm always talking... 10 or 12 years maximum for batteries. Anything over than that, I feel, is unrealistic. Um, if, if it does last longer, great, terrific. Um, the other thing that is in our favour is, is worldwide they're putting in massive amounts of research into battery technology. So we fully expect batteries to be cheaper and bigger and, just you know, everything in 10 years. And we have got a nice little... Steady decline in price. Even now, even over the last 10 years, I've noticed that it is cheaper to have a larger battery. We've seen um, the battery technology sort of almost explode, excuse the pun, in terms of the range of options available now. Um, And a question that I often hear is, uh, should I choose a lead-acid battery or a lithium battery? Is that something that uh, you have a view on? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and, And sometimes... It's it's black and white. So the the time for me was about two years ago. It became the same price to buy lithium as it was lead acid, whether it be gel or liquid or you know any anything like that. So now I, I estimate it's about fifteen percent cheaper to put in lithium batteries. So this massive difference. Like I, I just removed some um, eight year old batteries. And it was literally two and a half tons of, of lead. So for that house was, um, you know, they've made the change. I installed that system, you know, eight years ago and they just needed new batteries now. And um, it was cheaper and much, much smaller to install the lithium option. So you've seen your own customers um, transit from lead acid to lithium over that uh, period of uh, eight to ten years. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um, yeah, so three years is I've been doing almost exclusively lithium options. 
Right. Wow. Yeah, that's a big change in the industry. I guess there's also manual handling differences with transporting lead versus lithium batteries. Oh, I'm, I can still feel those batteries. So they were 107 kilos each. There was 24 of them. So never again. I don't want to touch them ever again if I can avoid it. This is the lead. <laughs> yeah. So the other one was um, nine batteries of 23 kilos each. So 200 kilos as opposed to two and a half tonnes. Right. Wow. That's like 10 times uh, lighter. <laughs> yeah. So just to get a sense of the kind of work that you do, what are sort of some examples of kind of projects that you do? Um, the classic is um, a very nice weekender. So some, sometimes, you know, complete with um, bespoke homes and, and things like that. And uh, that's, you know, they're nice jobs. They're big and I can make 100% solutions for those people. Um, and there's also at the other end of the spectrum people who are living in sheds that are making houses and they've got a small system. Um, so, you know, and, and in between those two spots. Now that's that's in my off-grid. I'll also do um, hybrid options, so giving people that same capability in the city. It's the same equipment, in fact. So that's a little bit less. Um, there's just no... Um, there's less price incentive to, to be doing that. So where we're based, uh, we're about 65 kilometres from Melbourne. Um, we're a, a rural area, and I guess a lot of your customers of what you would describe as fringe of grid, the grid's available to them possibly or maybe just about within reach. So is that a, um, one of those choices they have to face is when they're building, um, do, they, do they connect to the grid uh, or do they choose not to? And I've had both. You know, like I, I can think of a customer in um, Badger Creek, and his his quote to connect to the grid was twenty seven thousand. Sure, his off grid system was dearer than that, but he was happy, very happy to leave um, the poles and wires behind and have um, have his own system. And and there's people in between. You know, it's it, sometimes it's just obvious. Oznet is so expensive to connect to, um, and it only takes to be 800 metres away from the poles and wires to get 120 grand quote. Like, it's it's not far at all. Do you ever get customers who already have the grid and choose to disconnect from the grid? Yeah, I, I can count them on one hand, though. Um, but they're very happy to do that and, um, and, and never look back. But the, the ideal um, for a lot of people is to have 90... 5% self-sufficiency and have a little bit of grid if required, little bit of export. I think that's the um, that's my target for design um, for people when I'm doing hybrid. You know, nearly, nearly self-sufficient, the best of both worlds. Right. Okay. So is there any economic argument for disconnecting from the grid? No. No, I don't sell return of investment or anything like that. The, the price of batteries is still a little bit prohibitive to that. Um, unfortunately, I would call it even at the moment. Um, but then, okay, I'm not selling um, an economic benefit, but I am selling warm, fuzzy feelings. And I, I, I literally mean it, that that's, why, that's what motivates some of my customers, just because they can, you know, they're, they're not quite so 
um, economic driven, and they'll do what they can and um, and live quite happily that way. Cool. Okay. Um I'm interested to know a bit about the challenges that uh, you face when you're starting an off-grid project. So a customer reaches out to you and says, oh, Jerry, um, I imagine they start with how much and uh, can you do it? Um, what are some of the challenges? How much comes up real quick, but, you know, because I've done so many projects, I, I do have a, a good feel for cost. My three main things is we're looking at um, how we're going to do hot water, how we're going to do cooking, and how we're going to heat the house. So... If we can have one or two of those things with alternative fuel, whether it be um, LPG gas for hot water or solar hot water um, and a little bit of fire heating, we're halfway there to having just a quite a modest system. And then, you know, if they're saying, no, no, I want everything electric, sure. But just, you know, I need a lot more roof, I need a lot more batteries, a bigger generator and a lot more cost. So heating, cooling and cooking are the, the big loads that you try to target first and think about alternatives to electricity. And you mentioned a generator there as well. So how do you see the role of a generator in a off-grid system? I'll just correct you then. Not cooling. Cooling's not a problem because we have, at that time of the year, we have so much sun that um, you know we can run that air conditioner all the time. No um, hot water. If we can, because electric... Um, conventional electric hot water takes up 10, 12 kilowatt hours a day. It's quite a quite a large amount. But, you know, using technology, heat pump hot water and stuff, it's using much less. Also, role of the generator, well, here we are. We just had Equinox a few days ago. We don't get a lot of sun, even on, on good days. We might get two or three um, sun hours. The start of this week, we had no sun or virtually no sun for four days. So the only way we're going to get through those periods is top up the batteries via a generator or via the grid. It has to be part of a good design. Yeah, good point about cooling. Air conditioning is a perfect match to solar. It's uh, yep. hot yep. and sunny, and yep. the two go together for generating electricity nicely. So, yeah, good point. How do you help customers achieve an affordable system? Now, you just outlined that you identify some of the, the heavy loads and whether they can be powered by electricity. Is there other things you can do to help a system be affordable? The other really nice thing about moving to the battery technology I've, I'm, I'm using now is they're small individual components, the batteries, and with their own little battery management system built in. So one of the major things we can do is do a full design and maybe have a little bit less battery storage. So we might have um, a plan to install some extra batteries next year or the year after or as it comes along. The worst thing about people building and, and just the building process is that quite often this cost overruns and, you know, you can't shortcut the plumbing, you can't shortcut, you know, other parts of the build, but we can put in a smaller battery and increase it later on, which is really good because going back seven or eight years ago, we had to do full calculations exactly how much we're going to use know exactly what size battery and buy it and and that's what you had for the next 10 years yeah that's a really big change from going from lead to lithium the modularness of a lithium battery system that allows you to expand as your needs expand and even cut your budget so you can limp along a bit at the beginning and then just uh, as the money flows yeah. increase yeah. your system 
that's that's a great uh, great benefit. What are some tips you could offer to people thinking about going off grid? One of the first places I'll go with a new customer is we'll go and visit one of my existing customers, or we'll come up to um, Glenn's Glenn Studio that's conveniently located here for me and look at all of the the current equipment. I think that's the best bit, you know, that I can show customers that it works for this couple and, you know, it'll work for you. It, it just works. You know, it can work. And, you know, like if, I'm, if I've got a $50,000 quote, there's a whole leap of faith to write, you know, is that going to work for me? Is that good money to spend? You know, am I smart doing that? So, yeah, going to see existing customers where I just step back and they can talk to people who are living it and doing it unbiased i think that's the that's my little benefit or trick or or just um you know it's just nice for new people yeah i, I can see that so that uh, existing customers are your best sales people because they're, they're unbiased and really they've got something they're happy with and uh, they're happy to talk about it let's look at batteries on grid now why would someone want battery storage on grid two categories first one is warm fuzzy feelings and uh, so then they save the excess power that they've generated and use that later on in the, in the daytime. That's half of the story. And the other half of the story is backup power. So the grid at different times of the year, in the middle of the summer or the middle of winter, can be a little bit fragile at times in, in different places or storms or things like that. So the systems that I prefer to install will just seamlessly run for another, you know, 24 hours or, or something like that and they won't even know they've had a grid outage. And it's quite important. I did a doctor's surgery and he's got enough um, solar and batteries to run for 24 hours. So he's got two vaccine fridges with, you know, 30 grand's worth of vaccines that he has to throw out after three hours of grid failure. So for some, for some businesses... They just want to keep going. They want their computer systems to keep going. They want their phone systems to keep going. And and come down to domestic, they just want their data to keep going as normal. The lights to be on, the pumps to be working, kids playing computer games, whatever. you know. So all of those reasons are relevant and, and different versions for different situations, different people. So energy security is more than just a fuzzy feeling. Sometimes it's a, a huge financial hit if you lose the power. That's a good point. Yep. So let's talk tech now. What are some of your favourite system designs? You know, we, we hear terms like AC coupled, DC coupled. What, what do you prefer? I prefer something with a really long warranty. I don't want to be coming back in three years' time and giving them a sad story, that, and not a sad story, just a bill to replace something. So some of the local products I use is Electronic and uh, um, GNC batteries are both 10-year warranty, so it's good for everyone. AC coupled, DC coupled, yes, all of those versions. Every design's different. You know, if you've got a shed that's 70 metres away, yes, I can make it work. If you've got various little pictures of roofs, we can get a few panels here, a few panels there, yeah, we can make that work. So it's really... What you give me as far as where I can put the panels and, and things like that, that's the, that's the main thing. You know, my, sure, my favourite design is to put lots of solar panels on a big shed and a power room and a generator out at the shed and then we have a sub-mains to the house. That's my favourite design. 
Yeah, you mentioned lots of solar panels. Um, I remember in the in the, in the old days, uh, it was all about minimising the number of solar panels because they're so expensive. Now that panels are, are very affordable, how's that changed your design philosophy? It's just more panels. You know, when I did my system here at Moramora, even though I was getting the rebate and everything, I had 1.6 kilowatts of solar panels in my design. Ridiculous. I would have a minimum of five kilowatts now. I mean, my house is got eight and a half kilowatts i've kept on adding panels as i've got roofs and everything yeah so just lots more panels because it's 10 times cheaper for the price of panels plus there's a little bit of a solar rebate on panels so just the more the merrier i suppose now you mentioned some brands there um inverters and and batteries what about solar panels do you have any favorites there yeah i've been using SunTech panels for ever since we worked with you and um, you know so for the last 12 years I've been um, using Suntex, no problems. And, I'm, and I literally mean none. I think I've had one broken panel in that time. Pretty good run for solar panels. Yeah, yeah, it is indeed. I know personally people often say to me, you know, what's the best solar panel? And my, my flippant answer is I'll tell you in 20 years. Yeah. And so you've, you've got that experience of 10 or more years of, of installing Suntech. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Um, you know, the main thing is, not so much the brand as per se. Let's just put more of them up. Okay. So now for a bit of crystal ball gazing. What do you see as the future of solar and storage industry? What's it going to look like in 10 years' time? What are going to, people be going to be uh, choosing? It's totally desirable to have solar and batteries at home. Like it's, 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 if the price was sharper than it is now, we would see a massive uptake on that because Australians want it. They want to be able to use their power that they've saved from during the day and use it at night time. And they want UPS capabilities. So there's going to be a lot more of that, and for good reason. So a move to more autonomy. Homes look after themselves for energy. Yes, as much as possible. And then the other driver behind it is that electricity in the home is really clean and really nice. You know, that there's no pollution out there and you can have all these really quite silent appliances and and makes your house very comfortable so that is one of the reasons is that electricity is so nice in the home we've just got to produce it in a better manner that's all so australia's introduced a new battery standard uh, asnzs 5139 last year and it's sort of come into force this year how has that impacted your business it it has been hard the definition of habitable space and where we can locate systems. I'm doing a hybrid design in a city house, and it turns out there was just one location that we could put that system, and because of it, we've had to remove the clothesline. Poor lady, but that's the only place we can put the batteries because of the current rules. I'm, I'm not against them at all. It's just has made it a little bit, harder to locate systems yeah so the battery standard has uh has made uh batteries seem to be a bit more hazardous possibly and therefore their locations have to be in places where they're, they're less likely to you know, threaten life and limb like not in your bedroom not in your lounge not in your kitchen now turning to people wanting to enter the industry thinking about other people who get excited by your experience what advice would you give to someone let's say they're a school leaver or maybe they're thinking about retraining uh, wanting to enter this industry what advice would you give them 
it is good work. I, I, I really still continue to enjoy my work. Sometimes moving two and a half tonnes of batteries is not so much fun, but doing what I do, I like it. I'm outside a lot. Even on some of these cold days, it's a little bit hazard, a little bit of a, a little bit chilly, but um, you know, not not too bad. And there's 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 a lot of benefits to enjoying your work and doing something that you feel is good for the environment. It just it just feels good. I'm just quite proud and pleased to tell people that I install solar and batteries. Do you, what training pathways would you recommend, say, for a school leader? What should they be looking at? Well, don't forget that basically it's an electrician. You're going to have to do pre-apps and electrical apprenticeship. And then, I mean, after all, solar is just one section of an electrical apprenticeship. You know, there's, there's so many different versions of electrical work. So most often you'll be doing predominantly solar, but you'll be still doing a lot of normal electrical work, um, industrial, commercial and domestic. Yeah, you're an electrician first and solar electrician second. Yeah, good point. Okay, well, just turning away from your business, um, I'm just curious, uh, do you want to share anything about what you do when you're not installing solar and batteries? Well, if there wasn't COVID-19 restrictions, I would have driven to New South Wales to get a new motorbike, but unfortunately, that's not happening. I wanted to upgrade so myself and my partner can go for a bit of a ride. Well, you know, we live on 400 acres here, so I've got a little bit of a garden patch and walk around. You know, my, my son's got a good mountain bike and we've got some good mountain biking tracks around here. So, yeah, I mean, basically I, I live on the fringe of Melbourne, so I get some of the nice things of Melbourne. I can pop in and had a um, tonic kebab in, in Sydney Road the other day before lockdown, but I also have all the benefits of being in the country as well. So, Great, great. Well... Thanks, Jerry, for um, sharing your experience of uh, living and working in the renewable energy industry. So, everyone, that was Jerry Robinson, owner of the Greenhouse Effect. You can contact Jerry through his website. It's all one word, lowercase, thegreenhouseeffect.com.au. And thanks to everyone for listening. Hope to have you all back for our next renewable energy tech show soon. <laughs>